Welcome to The Sober Effect, a show that looks at the positives of sobriety, the dangers of alcohol and the many people who are affected by it. I'm Kate. And I'm Steph. The ripple effect of alcohol is far-reaching, and those are the stories you'll hear on The Sober Effect. So episode 12, Steph, and we are, (laughs) and we, (laughs) I know, I just can't get over how many we've done already. So fun. It feels like we chat every day, doesn't it? It's great. (laughs) I mean, it would be amazing if this could be a full-time job, just us chatting to interesting people, wouldn't it? It would be. It would be perfect. come true. Yeah. Yeah. Bring on the sponsors. Please get in touch. (laughs) But this week we are talking to Lou, who is a financial advisor, but she stopped drinking and it kind of affected her in a way that we we haven't really spoken to anyone about the kind of the multi layers of how sobriety affects you. Because a lot of us go into this thinking, well, well, I know I certainly did go into this thinking, well, I'm not going to drink in the evenings and it will be more boring. And that's kind of it. I had no idea the different areas of my life that would be affected. Were you like that as well? Yeah, it does. it's like Pandora's box, right? You stop drinking and then all these other areas of your life, you start noticing you have more time for them or they just naturally start improving because you're more aware or you're more alert or you feel better. So I've never thought about it in this way until we had this conversation with Lou. Well, Lou basically says that in her mind and in her view, when she stopped, she kind of put it into three different areas. And she said they all had a knock-on effect on each other and they went around in a kind of circle. And those are emotional, physical, and financial. Now, the emotional and physical one is obvious because as soon as you stop drinking, you can literally see with your eyeballs the physical difference. You look mm-hmm. younger, you look brighter, you lose the redness, the puffiness, you lose weight. Most of us do, unless you yeah. get a sugar addiction like I did. <laughs> but even even then I lost weight because you know it's I was really hard to make up a thousand calories a day. Yes. Because yeah. the calories in a bottle of wine, like I can't consume oh. that many calories in food. So yeah, I mean it no. was pretty easy to to cut out the calories once you cut out the alcohol. Well I had a bit of a Haribo addiction. Um, but anyway, that's I digress. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, you can tell the physical and the emotional becomes apparent really quickly, mm-hmm. I think. And I wasn't expecting it to be as drastic as it was. But the financial, apart from thinking, well, I'm not going to spend that money on alcohol, I hadn't really thought about how these three things fit together. And she's not just talking about in sobriety, is she? She's talking about mm-hmm. in life in general. It's these three things that when you choose to change your life, you have to focus on all three things because they will affect each other. That's kind of what she's saying, isn't it? It is what she's saying. And I don't know about you, but I reinvested my booze bucks. Like, that's what I call them, my booze bucks, because I noticed right away that I had all this extra money flow coming in. And I thought, what could I do? And I reinvested in my health, but it kind of fell in line when she was talking. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's what I did. I reinvested. I I pay for a, basically, she's not just a personal trainer. She's like a coach. She helps me with my nutrition. I mean, 
this woman is worth her weight in gold. And I invest that extra money into that every month. And it helps my sobriety and my physical fitness help with my mental health. And it is, it's a beautiful dance. And when it's all balanced, you know, you just feel so good when it's all balanced. I love that. I love that imagery. Yeah. And it's, I'm sort of the same. I mean, apart from joining a gym where I can go Mm -hmm. swimming, I've invested in things like art materials and I've gone on courses Mm -hmm. and things like that. So I have also been investing some, not all of it, because I didn't really have it to begin with. I was spending money (laughs) that really I shouldn't have been spending. And I was, right, you know, I was spending a lot of money, you know, I'm talking over a hundred pounds a week Mm -hmm. before I went out anywhere. You know, that was just, at just home the drinking. at home alcohol. Yeah. And then so if you go that's... out, you're buying rounds for everybody. Were you someone who would spend recklessly when you were drinking? Because I would be on the couch with a bottle of wine on Amazon. And then it was like Christmas two days later. I forgot I bought. I'm like, what <gasps> I <buy?" laughs> oh, I see what you mean. You mean, did I go shopping while I yeah, was drinking? Did you? No, I didn't. Funny enough. But a lot of people say that. I... No, I didn't, but I did spend it on people. So if I was out, yes, I was yep, the most generous person. Mm-hmm. I would I would always buy more rounds than everyone else. And there were certain people in my life, like I remember one company that I worked at in London, and the people who were really stingy, I they always used to hang around with me when it was of kind course. of pub time. But they knew, okay, we'll buy the rounds. And I would buy kind of five or six rounds in an evening. And I thought, well, I've only had seven drinks. How can I have bought... They didn't care and they just, and I think because I was drinking quickly and I wanted the next drink, I'd offer a round so people would do it with me, you you know, so I didn't feel awkward sitting there waiting for the next person. And I don't, that's just petty anyway, that I don't remember like so-and-so owes me a drink or I'm just not that kind of person. You know, the people who never, ever give you anything back. And it's very apparent. I don't have to count things in my head for that. You know, it's kind of give and take. It doesn't have to be exact. I'm not that fussy, but some people are and they will go, you know, oh, I saved 24 pounds last night because Kate was buying the rounds or I'll suddenly think, let's just buy champagne. And it's like there was no reason for me to go to this really expensive bar and spend 60 pounds on one bottle of, you know, drink that was gone in 10 minutes and share it with strangers who are sitting there kind of waiting for a date or whatever. Like, give them a glass. Why? And it happened throughout my life. And then you buy taxis home because it's late. You don't want to get on the tube. Right. You know, so I didn't buy things online, probably because I would have to kind of close one eye to read. <laughs> so I probably thought that wasn't for me. But yeah, I spent a lot of money as kind of the byproducts of my drinking, without mm-hmm. a doubt, even to the point of, you know, I've bought hotel rooms before because I couldn't be bothered because I could right. tell I was blacking out and I was going to fall asleep and I was on the other side of London and I would just go in and literally crash and get up and go to work and it was you know 170 quid or something such a waste of money such a waste of money yeah and when you think about all the things like prepping like you said making sure you have a ride making sure maybe you just stay the night somewhere and you have to spend that I spent money too on hangover cures I used to buy these little patches this is so sad (laughs) I used to buy these little patches that you wear on your skin, okay? And they were to help you not be hungover. What was in them? I thought more eggs were meant to be good for you. Were they like like full of- Vitamins, like vitamin C. I don't know. My piss smelled like 
vitamins. Like oh it was giving God. me this huge dose of vitamins. Did it help with the hangovers? Hell no. Because guess what? When I wore the patch, I would drink even more because I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm wearing this patch. I had a yeah. monthly subscription to this thing. Like they would send. <gasps> yes. So you start thinking about yeah. it's not just the alcohol itself. It's everything else involved with you being drunk. Yeah. The cab rides, the Ubers, the hotel rooms, the remedies, the mm-hmm. online shopping. And and the bad relationships. You know, you choose to go out on a few dates with someone who's totally inappropriate. You spend so much money on buying something new and buying the food. And then you're like, I would never have gone on a date with them if I hadn't been drunk in the when I met them. And, right. and it's just things like that. I bet there are some people listening who have made some outrageous purchases because oh, they're yeah. drunk. But the health is obvious. I mean, the health, mm-hmm. as we know, alcohol, even if you have a glass of wine a week, it's not doing you any favors. The, the way I used to wake up, the feeling and the headaches and the, the stuff you used to take just to recover. Mm-hmm. And then you'd want greasy food, wouldn't you? You'd want salt yeah. and fat and sugar and you'd shovel it in. Well, I'm saying you, but I mean me, Steph. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, I mean, we would, you know, us collectively, the drinkers of the world. And it was, oh, it was just so, and I used to feel, I remember just sitting at the drive-thru McDonald's because I really don't eat McDonald's. I mean, have I even had it in the 18 months since I stopped drinking? I don't know. I honestly don't think I have. I might, I've definitely had a coffee, but food wise, maybe a pack of fries or something, but that's Mm -hmm. it. Whereas before I would certainly go and have something to eat in the morning because I craved it. And I thought I need that salt. I need that fat. And I don't understand the science behind that. Do you? Why we need that and what it does to us? I'm sure there's a science behind it, but it's just, it's something, it settles the stomach for some reason. I always felt like it settled that your stomach just, it feels like it's eating itself, right? When you wake oh, up in the morning, like it's just yeah. like it's bubbly and like, oh, I do oh, I feel not sick. miss it. Oh, I don't no, miss it is. It. And it is, you're, you're right. But actually there's a lot of acid in things yes. like wine. So if you think about that, it probably is really bad for you. It probably does eat the lining of your stomach. I mean, here's us throwing out all of these kind of... <laughs> unscientific yeah right. eat the lining of your stomach it, this is what it we feels like that, this is just yeah, based exactly. on on how it felt in my body my stomach yeah, exactly. was literally eating itself yeah but, you know there is there is some science though behind like even vitamins and nutrients from your food like you're not absorbing those anymore when you're drinking alcohol and so that's another oh, really waste of, yeah that's another waste of money yeah because i used to take all kinds of supplements and things probiotics because you know my gut health was not good but you know it was never I never wanted to believe it was the alcohol so I would take all these supplements but I'm just pissing my money away really because the alcohol is not it's like a disinfectant right it's going to just kill all that stuff off your body is not going to be able to like absorb it the way it needs to and so yeah that's another health money connection right there any big change in life will involve in her opinion these three things so should we hear from lou yeah let's hear from lou for me personally what i found was when i decided i would want to change one area often i would fall at the first hurdle if i hadn't considered other things So 
with my fitness journey, for example, I could start going to boot camp every day or go for a run. But if I wasn't in a group of like-minded people that were also on that journey with me, if I wasn't paying attention to my self-development, so how I thought about myself, it would hinder my fitness and how I move forward with that. So I would find that I would be like, wake up thinking, I'll go for a run today. No, I won't. But often if you're not sorting what's going on in your head, it can have a knock-on effect to other habits. The, The same with money. So being a financial advisor, I have seen thousands of clients with poor money decisions. And when you speak to them about the root causes, often it's purchases that they probably didn't need or that they might have thought more wisely about, but they'd been mega stressed with work or they had poor mental health and poor mental health led to the bad decisions around money. So most definitely they're entwined. I think if you can look at yourself, first of all, consider self-development as all three your emotional physical and financial then you're going to put yourself on the best path going forward because none of those areas are ever going to be perfect because if we stop doing one of them we're probably going to go backwards and perfect doesn't exist so always keep an eye on all three and try and have some balance to move that forward but never think that they're not linked because all the studies, all the research, you look at financial literacy data, they all link back. There's a higher rate of people in debt with poor mental health. So yeah, most definitely, I do feel that they are massively entwined. And that's how you started Tweak Life, isn't it? Because you started to think about how these things were affecting you and you realised that there wasn't much out there. I worked in financial services previously. I was an advisor and still drank at the time found that drinking caused a lot of anxiety, which had already led me to the idea of building a platform to help other people, mainly triggered by an event in the workplace um, where, sorry to go quite heavy early on, but where a guy wanted to take his own life. And actually, that's the first time I shared with anyone that I too had anxiety. So from that day, so I was still drinking. From that day, I decided that I had to create something that would help other people. So a platform where other people wouldn't feel alone with whatever they were struggling with. I still had this niggle at the back of my mind that I should try sobriety. So then for probably a year from that date, I started researching and building this platform but I started to have periods of not drinking and then going back to having a drink and then realizing it caused more anxiety and it was just this ping pong I remember about a year ago I was on holiday listening to a podcast thinking I have to break up with this thing called alcohol I just can't keep doing it anymore and I guess deciding to build a platform which is Tweak Life, gave me a little bit of accountability. What exactly is Tweak Life? I didn't necessarily feel in a place that you would perhaps typically think that a charity support network is where you would go or somebody that might be at rock bottom. I didn't feel that I had to go to AA. I just felt like I needed to unravel this this twisted piece of rope, that I needed to understand what changes I needed to make to make things better going forward. And when I spoke to this guy at work, he was like, I just don't know where to go. So then I started to think, how can I help people? And I first of all started to do it in person with people in my local community. 
but then decided if I went online, maybe I could tell these people where to go. And I'm not a coach. I'm not the one to fix the problem. But maybe if there's more awareness around where people can go for help. So it's about encouraging people to be curious about the steps they could take to make a positive change. Because definitely for me going sober, I think what led to it was definitely a curiosity of change. And I stepped into Instagram and found that there was this community of sober people that they just understood. There was the people that somebody might think was a typical alcoholic. And then there was people that have one glass of wine that they decided to put it down. And that felt quite comforting. And I think that resonated with me, with what I'm trying to do with Tweak Life. It's about what small change can you make? But often the biggest hurdle is where do you go? So it's about putting the places that you can go, the articles that you can find, the information to connect all those little things to make a big change over time. You do that like Google search of, you know, have I got a problem with alcohol? Should I stop drinking? Because the societal norm is that you should be able to tolerate X amount of alcohol per week of your 14 units. Drink some, but don't drink too much. You should be able to put the bottle down after a glass. Whereas the reality is, for most people, if they're really honest, that doesn't happen. The glass of wine will inevitably turn into a bottle. And we're expected not to get addicted to an addictive drug. And society shows us this glamorous side. So I really wrestled with, where the hell do I sit? Because I don't crave a drink every day but I could easily have a drink every day I am mindful of how much I'm drinking but I still want to do it it makes me feel rubbish the next day but everybody says you haven't got a problem why don't you have one glass so I just didn't understand where I could go for help but I was also acutely aware that it wasn't just alcohol that was probably going to make a change I needed to look at What is my diet like? What is my exercise routine like? And could I make commitments in other areas to ultimately help myself go sober as opposed to thinking it was just not having a drink was going to fix everything? So that is what I felt was lacking. If you do a Google search of positive changes, you might find a place that is selling a service or is just that brand's information Or you then might go to another place to find something else. But what I felt wasn't there was like the Martin Lewis of well-being, like the money-saving expert of well-being. The tips and things in one place that isn't, we're we're not a brand that's selling anything. We have no products. But we're saying, hey, have you seen what's here? Hey, there's this free app. Try this. The NHS have this free app. Why don't you try 30 days sober? Go and follow these people on Instagram. They're really helpful. You know, We're not there to give the advice or fix the problem. I guess I'm just passing on a toolkit that I made for myself and just want to bring on the amazing people that there are that I've met along the way. And I found a lot of support and comfort through communities that are going through the same thing. So either fitness or sobriety. I love that because this would have been amazing for me when I first (laughs) decided to get sober because one, I, I was dealing with anxiety as well. And I was using alcohol to calm my anxiety because I just thought that's what you're supposed to do. I mean, that is that is the narrative, right? You're stressed, have a drink. You're nervous, have a drink, whatever it is. And it became my medicine, but it was getting really bad. And I was actually on a holiday when mm-hmm. I Google search, does alcohol cause anxiety? And yeah. 
it was like, it just came to me. And once I saw that and knew that it, that's what the problem was, it sent me down a rabbit hole. But I also was someone like, I knew I didn't want to go to AA. I knew I wasn't physically addicted because I could go long periods without drinking. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't want to go to AA. I didn't want to go to rehab. I wanted, there's a, I think there's a lot of us that, especially in the beginning, we just want to like find a way to like heal it on our own. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love. Like, I feel like that's what you're saying. You're like these free resources, these things for people who maybe think some of these other ways are a little too drastic. Yeah. I described it like three stacks as such. So like, I didn't feel I was on the bottom stack and it could be the reverse. I'm not saying people on the bottom, but it's just how I imagine it in my head that that might be the people that really need the rehab or AA or you know, they might have to go to hospital for their mental health. I kind of felt I was in this big chunky middle that I could have quite easily slipped to the bottom, but equally I was desperate for these people at the top that was showing me that actually you could make this change and your life could be so different. And so I guess Tweak Life is saying there's signposting if you need help, but if you're that middle area where you want to make a better change you know that you could either deal with your finances better, for example. So as a financial advisor, I see many people make poor decisions with finances. It leads to poor mental health or vice versa. It's about connecting all those dots and where can you get that information from to almost like move up the tier, went to exercising regularly and that being a habit. I'm now part of a boot camp. And I find that quite accountable. Being part of just in somebody's Instagram feed within sobriety, for example, because you're showing up and you're you're posting on on their account, you know, like you guys, if you're saying, oh, yeah, well done, you're just part of that. And I think that does help to keep certain people accountable, particularly like you say, Steph, if you're thinking you can change this yourself, but what are the little things that are going to lead to that change? So I guess there's a lot that comes within that, a lot crosses over. The the importance of the financial health is, as a financial advisor, I would see the pattern of people spending and their behaviour. And often, um, you know, they could have busy, stressful lives. They'll talk about their mental health. And, And that often can lead to bad money habits, but also, you know, were they taught that financial literacy? But something that I also explored, another part of Tweak Life, is that I'm dyslexic and I have ADHD. And I kept that quiet from anybody for a very, very long time. And it's only recently that I've kind of come out with with that because I felt within the workplace I thought people would think that I was less capable. And so I used to, you know, put all these things in place to try and mask that. But then the more I looked into stopping drinking, the more I saw this big correlation between ADHD and addiction. And then it just triggered me to look into that more and more. And then I found that a high number of people with ADHD can make impulsive decisions. Then I found that it stems more to you know, that pattern of of bad money behaviour, impulse buys, and also a large proportion within prisons, offenders are typically neurodiverse, again, around ADHD. And it's, it made me really curious about investigating, well, what support is there? So it's about having a toolkit to open people's minds up to 
what change can you make? Because it's generally not just drink that will change everything. Often in schools, you're taught around the dangers of drinking and drugs. My kids have had, you know, the police officer into school. But I wonder to what degree are they told about the severity of alcohol and the trajectory of what it can lead to and the false image of what a drink problem can look like. I think probably it's the bottle in a in a bag, somebody on a street, but that's not the case. There's many functioning alcoholics. And so I think a place that gives a broad view of problems and makes people curious about what they could change. So whether that's the parent looking on the site and then they can tell their kids or, you know, they can tell their parents. It's just about having those places to go. But I found it wasn't just giving up drinking that helped me change my mental resilience. But I would say I don't think my mental resilience would be the way it is if I hadn't stopped drinking. I think it would have always been there. It's been on my mind for, so I'm over a year now that I've not had a drink. And I've done previous stints like you, Steph, but it had been on my mind for a couple of years, probably thinking, don't like how this is going. But again, I think it's that pressure of society. I don't know if you felt that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think it's your environment, who you're surrounding yourself with. I mean, there's a lot of things that have to be peeled back in order to finally make that bold choice, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I am not going to drink. I don't care if everyone around me is. It's a very bold choice when you're caught up in, in that. But I love how you found a way to, like, show how all three of those things intertwine. I've never thought about the financial side of it. I feel like I've always been really good with money. I used to work at a bank actually. Yeah. Um, growing I think it up. Helps, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> like it, I, I saw some really bad bank accounts. Let me tell you. Yeah. I'm like, how did you get yourself in this position? But I do, I do like how these three things do kind of go together, like very beautifully. Like I have found fitness to be a huge factor in my sobriety. And I say it all the time. Like I, it's like my sobriety and my fitness just go hand in hand. I couldn't have one yeah. without the other. Um, so do you have like a website? Like how do people, yeah. how do you filter people in? Like, let's just say someone's looking for financial stuff. Mm-hmm. Do you find they come to you for financial stuff? And then it's like an unraveling of, oh my gosh, like maybe I should slow down on the drinking. Like that could be having an impact on my impulses with spending or, you know, th- does it soon fall into where they are? diving into all three of these things with you? Yeah, so I'd say the analytics is actually more around mental health and addiction. Okay. Um, But that's probably because that's everything that I've put up first of all. So the Tweak Life website, tweaklife.co.uk, is free to use. You don't have to sign up. It's just open, open source. Because I wanted that information to be there, to be free and, to, and for people just to get it instantly. But what was really interesting at Christmas, on Christmas Day and on New New Year's Day, the analytics of the pages that people were going to went up about 300% on Christmas Day and New Year's Day on the pages of mental health and addiction. And it just broke my heart to think that people were looking at questioning their drinking on Christmas Day and New Year's Day. They're obviously in a bad place to question on those days when Many people are celebrating with friends and family and loved ones. 
there are people questioning their relationship with alcohol um it's the expectation you know that you have a drink and then you get to the point where you're saying right i'm not drinking anymore you know people do look at you like you have three heads you know when you say you're not drinking or they do the head tilt and they go are you okay mm-hmm. have you got a problem you know it it's never it, it can't be accepted that you just decided not to drink this drug and i think for me the decision that the, the biggest change that helped me and hopefully anybody that is questioning their relationship with alcohol, hopefully that they find the confidence to decide to tell somebody the truth because I never once got questions about my decision. So previously I'd say, oh, I'm on a health kick or I'm doing 30 days for charity of not drinking. And then somebody would always try and twist your arm. Oh, one drink's not going to hurt you run tomorrow or this, that and the other. But then this time when I was asked, I had said, I'm not drinking alcohol anymore because it gives me anxiety. And nobody's once said, be a little bit anxious, have one drink. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> nobody said that. Yeah. And the, actually the questions I have are, do you feel better? Was it hard to stop? And sometimes alcohol makes me feel a bit funny. So it's more inquisitive questions than questioning my decision and actually if anyone questioned your decision to stop drinking because you feel anxious or it doesn't suit you or doesn't serve you then I don't know if I'd want them in my group (laughs) you know in my triangle of trust I'm not quite happy with somebody that's going to question that decision so yeah certain things that I do has changed because of not drinking but very much for the better Um, and I also what helped me was that I instantly started to arrange activities that weren't around drinking so friends that I'd only meet for meals and drinks for example we did cold water swimming or go to a lake paddleboard something and I just was out outwardly and said look I'd only see you if we went for a meal but I don't want to be around alcohol at the moment so let's go and do this I mean that is the perfect example of how all three of these aspects have improved because of one thing you're not spending money going cold water swimming you're getting exercise it's really good for you and your mental health is improving yeah it's literally ticking all the boxes instead of sitting in a dark stuffy bar drinking a drug as you put it and I love that as I stopped drinking I got more curious well what can I change next I feel a a bit better at this. Now, what can I have a look at? And now I'm literally like Pac-Man when it comes to learning. Like school just bored me, but now I'm a big visual learner. So webinars that I can attend that I would have never have done before. I booked time off work the other week to attend London Tech Week. Like, I know that sounds really geeky. Who are you? (laughs) Yeah, it sounds really geeky, but I went on my own. I got to do some work on the train you know, for Tweak Life. So when I say I I booked it off my page job, but I did it for Tweak Life, what connections can I make? What curious conversations can I have about where technology is going and how that will affect my kids and what should they be learning about? And I wouldn't have done that because one, it's a lot of money. Two, I probably would have been tired if I'd had a drink before. Whereas I was excited to get up at 10 to five in the morning. So I do think that if you allow yourself to be curious about any change or trying anything new that might just help you rather than being closed-minded, try it because you just don't know. The same with anyone who wants to go sober. You need to try it. At least give yourself 30 days, but I would say more. 
try it and just see how much better it is. I mean, I think she's right, like about the 30 days. It's a good place to start. But I know as far as for mental health, for me, I used to do 30 days and I never got the benefits until it was about 60 days for me with my anxiety. It was about 60 days when I finally started noticing that that anxiety was like fading into the background and I no longer was having the anxiety attacks. And so I think she's right in saying that, like it, especially for mental health, because that's what I can speak to. You have to take a really long break and you have to do the work and you have to get through because the anxiety attacks do come on very strongly because you're going through withdrawal. You're literally, your body has been relying on the alcohol for so long that it is kind of like a withdrawal symptom. I've actually got a question, Steph, because I didn't have anxiety. So when you say that, so you used to get anxiety Mm -hmm. attacks and feel very anxious. So when you stopped, you're saying you still got anxiety attacks for what, the first month or? Yeah, they were pretty strong the first few weeks. And it was really hard, but I knew at that point, I knew that the alcohol was why I was having them. So I knew that the, the absence of alcohol was why they were going to be so bad for a while. Like I did the research, which is what I love about tweak life. Cause it sounds like that's where you can find all this information. I'm just Googling shit. Like I'm all over the place. That's what I love about what she's saying. It's like one stop to help you with any of these areas, but yeah, so it did take a little bit, but I already knew that if you go into it and you didn't know that you would just go back to drinking because that's what I was addicted to. I wasn't physically addicted. I was mentally addicted. Like I was using it for my mental health. And I think there's a lot of people, you hear people talk about Mm -hmm. anxiety now more than ever, but people are drinking now more than ever. And I think it's important to keep that narrative going because not everyone's going to quit drinking and their anxiety is going to go away, but God, isn't it worth trying? Like, for me, yeah. that was so worth trying, you know? And it's a good point. If it, just give it some time. Don't expect it to stop to. overnight. Mm-hmm. Because actually you feel jittery for a few days after a big session of drinking anyway. Even people like me who haven't struggled with anxiety, I'd get jittery because my body was going like, oh my gosh, try- how much more of this can it I gives, handle? Yeah, it gives you a burst of adrenaline is what I've learned. And that's what an anxiety attack basically is, is that okay. fight or flight. You know, if you if you something scares you and you get that burst of adrenaline, imagine that lasting, that feeling, that tingle mm-hmm. for like 30 to 40 seconds. Extreme. Like at the height of that feeling is what so I it gets have. quite scary because you're it's like, very why don't scary. I have to handle this? This is right, too like, big an emotion. Yes, I can't handle it. And okay. so that is what mine felt like. And when I researched it, it made perfect sense that it was a rebound from the alcohol. It's the al- it's my body coming down and giving that surge of adrenaline to balance out what the alcohol had done. So I knew I had to give it time and I had to just get through it. And yeah, I mean, I haven't had one. I have not had an anxiety attack since I, you know, about 60 days in is when I noticed, oh my gosh, I haven't had one in a while. I think they're gone. Oh, you know, it's a very incredible. gradual thing. Yeah. yeah. I think the biggest mental change for me is being proud of myself and liking myself mm. because it was, for me, it was the mornings. It was the 
what have I done? What have I said? You know, and not so much later in life. Like once I had my kids, I wasn't really going out as much, you know, before I'd go out every day after work and I'd go out on Friday night, Saturday nights, and sometimes Sunday day, we'd all go out for meet friends for Sunday lunch. Mm -hmm. I was drinking every day, you know, throughout my twenties and thirties. And I wasn't going out as much. So it wasn't like, um, what have I said or done? Um, maybe I would have been rude to my husband every now and then or fallen asleep, whatever. But it wasn't as bad. But it, the morning I'd wake up and it would just be like, why have I drunk again? Why I feel like crap again. You know, I didn't get bad hangovers, but I felt ugh. Mm-hmm. And I never woke up looking forward to the day ahead. I woke up thinking about checkboxes. Did I get into my pajamas Did I do anything I shouldn't have done? Why have I drunk again? It was negative, 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 constantly, every day for 20 years. I mean, that's damaging, isn't it? And and that's the shift I saw is that that stopped. And it stopped immediately because I woke up and went, I did it. I did one day. I did two days, then seven, then 10, then 20, then a month. And that was incredible because that had a massive knock-on effect. I imagine similar to you with your anxiety, once you eliminate that really nasty thing that you're scared of or that's bringing you down, mm-hmm. everything else feels better because you feel more confident. Yeah, I mean, I felt like it opened the gate because there were a lot of things I wouldn't do because of my anxiety. And it opened... Like what? Like, well, going to the store was really hard and I, I can never explain why they would come on. It's just certain circumstances. I knew I had a chance that it was going to happen because it would happen a lot if I was like waiting in line. And I don't know what that's about, but waiting in line at a store, I don't know if it's just like the impatience or what. Hmm. Getting a massage, I would have anxiety attacks while I was getting massages. Um, sitting in line to pick my daughter up at school. So it's kind of like these situations where I kind of felt not trapped, trapped. but I guess that would be I, the best yeah. word to say, right? Just trapped, like surrounded, surrounded. Like you weren't, you weren't free to, yep. you know, there were barriers between mm-hmm. you and your house or your home or your safe yep. space, I guess. Yep. Yeah. So that yeah. does really make sense because yeah, there's it a does boundary now, there. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. but at the time I'm like, why nothing's like the feeling that you get is something bad's happening. Like the feeling of my anxiety mm. was like something bad's happening. But when you're sitting there or you're staying like nothing bad's happening. So mm. you're just going crazy in your mind. Like, why am I feeling like this? Like nothing's wrong. But yeah, looking back on it now, it was just kind of that disconnect from my home base or feeling a little trapped. Did it affect your stomach as well? Mm-hmm. Oh, for yeah. me, I can imagine that would have not just oh, a yeah. mental effect. It would be physical in my stomach. I'd feel sick and cramped. And I remember being scared about being late for school when I had a particularly horrible headmistress and I'd sit at the front door. And that's the only time I can remember ever feeling anxious. anxious. And, you know, I must've been about seven and I'd be like, hurry up, everyone, hurry up. We're going to be late. We're going to be late. And my mom was kind of like, just relax. It's fine if you're a bit late. And I was so worried that this woman would scream at me that my stomach went into knots and mm-hmm. I can feel it happening. That must have an effect on your gut. Oh, yeah. So you you've didn't... got, do you think your health is is overall, oh. like, it's not just mental health. You think this, yeah. like, the not drinking has had an effect from head to toe, head everything. Head to toe. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I think the financial is an interesting one because a lot of people, when they stop, don't think about this, but 
I I can't remember where I've done it, whether I thought of it or whether someone said it. But in the first early days, I bought something for myself every week and it wasn't huge. I'm not saying I spent £100, yeah. but I bought a nice face cream or I paid for a massage or I bought myself a new skirt or a nice lip balm, whatever it was. And I bought it so I could physically see something and think I would not have had that if I'd been drinking so that my brain could actually see And that's in a way financial, isn't it? Because you're Mm -hmm. kind of really saying you can have nicer things in life because you're not spending your money on stuff that you're literally throwing down the toilet, aren't you, really? Yeah. And people do save up, don't they? They save up. They put money every week into a pot and then they buy like a camper van after three years or something. It's crazy (laughs) when you actually look at it. Yeah, right. I love it. And I think I think mixing these three together is is important because it's a balance. I mean, they yeah. all affect each other in in some sort of way. And I mean, I always say my sobriety, I couldn't have and I'll add the financial part into it. Like I said, until we talked to Lou, I just never connected the dots with that as well. But yeah, I mean, I you just can't without sobriety, you can't have all three of these things. You just can't. It interferes way too much. On that note, I'm going swimming with my daughter. I will speak to you soon, Steph. All right. Cheers, Steph. Bye, Kate. Thank you for listening. We really hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, we're just two women from opposite sides of the pond wanting to bring awareness around the negative effects of alcohol. We are not licensed therapists or doctors. If alcohol is causing any mental or physical health issues, please seek professional help. Please be sure to give us a follow so you don't miss future episodes. If you think our podcast could help someone you know, please be sure to share it. Also, leaving a five-star review will help The Sober Effect reach more people like you. The music for this show was produced and recorded by Pearl and Thumbelina Jim of the wonderful Charm Jar Music. More information can be found in our show notes.